0: Welcome to Curated Conversations from the Center for Strategic and International Studies, bringing you the best events each week from the world's number one defense and national security think tank. To explore the hundreds of events we host each year, visit us at CSIS.org.
1: Hey, welcome. We're delighted to have you here. Um, the one thing about uh, World Bank IMF weekend is that uh, traffic just becomes impossible. You know, So I I do want to say thank you to all of you for coming here on time and, but we've got a bunch of colleagues that haven't yet arrived. so we'll, uh, we'll but it's being broadcast and we, we're recording it so it's going to be just fine. So uh, thank you before, we, when we have events like this with outside groups, uh, we always make a little safety announcement. Uh, you know Mike Green is going to be responsible for your safety. Uh, he's going to be here through the program. If we hear a voice that says to leave, uh, please follow his instructions. We'll go out through the door we came in. Uh, there's an exit right uh, opposite. We'll take a left turn and then go out to the street level. We'll go around uh, uh, and meet over at National Geographic and do a head count, make sure everybody's safe. So um, nothing's going to happen. But we always we always start with this little bit of an announcement. Uh, <clears throat> I'm very. I'm very grateful that we can have a good friend, you know, Maeda-san, come and share with us the, uh, the very important work he's doing at JABIC. Um It's of much larger significance than uh, than people realize because. At a time when America is kind of retreating around the world and pulling back and not being a leader, Japan has stepped forward in a very impressive way. And I really am grateful that Prime Minister Abe has been willing to be a leader. You know, this hasn't always been the case. You know, for so many years, in my experience, um, you know, Japan wanted to stay behind in the shadow of of America and to look out around the edges, but not get out itself. That's changed, and very fortunately for us, because we have uh, we have a government in Japan that is willing to lead and carry the flag of free enterprise and democracy and rule of law, you know, around the world. And it's at a time when. Sadly, America is not leading. Uh, Japan is, and it's a very important thing. And what's important, you're going to be hearing today, is you know a very important dimension of this leadership. You know, it it um, you know all of the complicated problems in the world are horizontal, and all the governments are vertical. <laughs> so if you're going to deal with substantial problems, you have to have authentic commitment to multilateral cooperation. And that's what, what JBIC and what Japan is doing. If you saw the last uh, Osaka G20, it was a masterpiece. It was a masterpiece of architecture, strategic thinking, and putting together in place a strategy for dealing with it, so it's, it's really important. Now, it's, I'd also say that this new era that we're entering into is much more about economic competition than it is about military muscle. You know, this is going to be an era of uh, competing models and who offers the best formula for the world. And I, I, Japan has done a superb job in developing the architecture. You have a strategy. We're going to hear an important part of that strategy today. So I want to say thank you for coming. This this discussion today is going to be, is far more important than you realize, and uh, I'm very grateful that you're willing to do it with us here at CSS. So could I ask you, with your very warm applause, to welcome the, the president of JBIC, Maeda-san. Please come up. Here.
2: Thank you, Dr. Hamley. It's a very kind introduction. It is my great honor and pleasure to return to my second hometown in Washington, D.C. and uh, gives, uh, some, give you some remarks and distinguish the audiences uh, in, at CSI. It's very prestigious. Thank you so much. Uh, let me outline that what we, uh, what we are doing uh, uh, under the concept of the free and open Indo-Pacific. As uh, Dr. Hamley, I to that, this concept was introduced and proclaimed by, by our Prime Minister Shinzo Abe uh, in uh, uh, 2017, uh, firstly really, in uh, a uh, first summit meeting with the President John Trump of the United States. And a, a key uh, component of this free and open Indo-Pacific uh, is a, um, uh, to bring stability and prosperity for the entire uh, for Indo-Pacific region, uh, it is a quite new type uh, kind of concept because it used to be we said that Asian-Pacific, and the Indian Ocean is a it's just a, a, a west side of the Malacca Strait and uh, to be uh, a leash to the Middle Eastern Africa. So in some sense, uh, this is a uh, some counter proposal to Chinese Belt and Road Institute. But in my view, it's a different because in my view. The Chinese Belt and Road Initiative is not an initiative, no plan, no program. This is a political slogan, because there are no clear Uh, definitions. On the contrary, the three and Open the Pacific uh, Initiative have a very clear mandate and definition, uh, which is a. We have three uh, pillars on on this uh, initiative, which is the promotion and establishment of the rule of the law and freedom of navigation and free trade. It is a, a common the concept that the, uh, the, the Western democratic countries share among us. And the pursuit of the economic prosperity and commitment of peace and stability. And this is a, a clear rule we need to abide by. And uh, uh, I pr- propose, uh, under this uh, concept, the five five conditions of our platform. One is the transparency. Two. Inclusiveness. Three, viability of the project. Four, the sustainability of the debt of host countries, and finally, that rule of the law. Uh, This is very important because uh, now I see that this is an era of geopolitics. And uh, I said that Chinese Belt and Road Initiative used to be, I suppose, that it would be strengthening connectivity from the uh, eastern uh, side of the Eurasian continent, which is uh, in China to Central Asia uh, countries and to uh, Europe, Middle East, and Africa. And uh, uh, now, what happened is that the uh, Belt and Road Initiative is everywhere. In a country like Latin America, for example, they said that it's a Britain, Belt and Road Initiative. In Africa, same thing. But I don't know that what's the exact the definition of the Belt and Road Initiative. That's why. Uh, this Prime Minister Shinzo Abe uh, decided to make some engagement. Only through engagement we can uh, understand what the China is trying to do. So in October last year, uh, Prime Minister Shinzo Abe uh, took the big delegation of, of both private and public to Beijing and they co-host the event of the Japanese uh, Japan-China cooperation in third countries market, in the uh, great hall of the people, in Beijing, the big, big gathering, and uh, both parties uh, signed more than 50 uh, documents. Normally, it's a memorandum of understanding type of not legally binding the uh, papers, and we also signed a memorandum of understanding with the China Development Bank. Uh, it's a second memorandum of understanding with Chinese, and I propose to the same uh, conditions uh, for our cooperation, otherwise uh, China, uh, if China does not accept, we cannot uh, cooperate. And uh, uh, eventually Ch- uh, China Development Bank and the, also that supported by the uh, uh, State Planning Council of China's accepted of, of all five conditions, therefore that we have now started cooperation with China Development Bank in a tangible project in, in Thailand. On a uh, free and open Indo-Pacific side, we signed a, a trilateral MOU. Originally that we signed MOU with uh, OPIC um, uh, in 2017, and then signed again in 2018. Last uh, July of last year, the US Chamber of Commerce hosted the event of Indo-Pacific Business Forum in Washington, DC. I participated as a member, uh, as a panelist. Uh, where the Secretary uh, uh, State uh, Mark Pompeo uh, clearly proclaimed a new commitment uh, by the United States Government for free and open in the Pacific region, in, in particular in the digital economy and energy security and infrastructure. And also that I participated in the panel discussion with a then OPEC President uh, Le Wochpan, and also that Australian Shajah uh, defer of the Embassy here. And we discussed this. And then after that, we uh, made a press release about this trilateral partnership. And the, uh, also uh, in t- uh, 2018, uh, during the visit of the US Vice President Mark Pence, we signed an additional uh, memorandum of understanding. In Tokyo, in my office, uh, then the US Ambassador to Japan, uh, Bill Hagari and the Australian ambassador to Japan, richard court and myself and the of us signed a memorandum of cooperation and uh, we are, i am a deal maker so that's uh, just signing a memo is, uh, is, is not meaningful therefore that we made makes make tangible case and uh, we uh, jb created the special task force and uh, uh, for this free and in the past week and uh, also, uh, I retained a former Vice Minister of, of, for International Affairs, Meti Yanase, Tadao Yanase, as my senior advisor, and to give him the role of leading this uh, uh, task force. And we jointly uh, sent a mission to the country like Papua New Guinea, Palau, and also Indonesia. In Palau, we have a tangible project. Uh, it's a telecommunication uh, submarine cable which to be a, a subset subset of the submarine cable uh, from Singapore to be connected to the Western, west coast of the United States. And uh, Australians is very keen on the, the working on this project. And the Department of Foreign Affairs and Trade of, uh, of Australia, Secretary Francis Adamson, as he has a wide range of uh, knowledge about this region. And also tra- the, uh, Australian uh, also transformed their uh, entity, like uh, EFIC, Export Finance Insurance Corporation, to be more proactive, and also gives them more budget for them. For them, and uh, uh, JBIC, we have a long understanding is roughly 160 billion dollars. Uh, we uh, made loans in 11 different currencies, and we also have a wide variety of the financial product, not just only debt financing, but also the guaranteed bond, guarantee of loan, and also uh, equity investment. We have a wide uh, range of the financial product. And I uh, uh, now, in my, in my uh, discussion with uh, OPIC now, uh, uh, US EFC, uh, US side have some uh, statutory constraint. Uh, OPIC by statute is, is not able to support uh, the state-owned enterprises, but uh, country like Papua New Guinea, without involvement of state-owned enterprise, it is not possible to materialize the project. Therefore, that we, I, I decided that OPEC OPIC to be, uh, also maybe Treasury Department or State Department or White House, that we need to have, allow OPIC, or now DFC, to make more flexible interpretation of the statute. And they they need uh, some qualification uh, of the state-owned enterprise to be eligible for his support. I agree. Therefore, that we are now, by project by project, uh, we are now doing um, uh, very much the uh, tangible manner. And one more thing that I'd like to uh, uh, add is that the treatment of Taiwan. I paid a visit to Taipei and had a meeting privately, by the way, Privately, Obviously, I, not, I was not able to do it. Privately, I had a meeting, private meeting with the National Security Advisor of Taiwan and also the Foreign Minister of Taiwan. They have already engaged by transaction by transaction with OPIC a year ago and they are very uh, knowledgeable and I deported back to the Prime Minister and uh, discussed with them on how to treat the uh, Taiwan. Obviously, uh, we cannot invite Taiwan as official partner, however, by transaction by transaction. We may invite them if, if it is appropriate then project by project. That's answered that's answer and a confirmed by the Office of the Prime Minister. So now uh, what's happened in the Pacific Island, uh, like a compact uh, uh, countries, and the leaders of the compact countries in Micronesia and so on, paid the bill to Washington, D.C. and to meet uh, President Trump. And now this September of this year, uh, two uh, small island countries in the Pacific Islands, which is uh, Kiribati and Suomo Islands, undercut the uh, diplomatic tie with Taiwan. And they uh, a tie, start tie with uh, uh, mainland China. That is uh, obviously that's endorsed by the Chinese government. So that uh, uh, we need to be paying due attention to what they are doing right now. And also, I briefly touch upon that thought uh, on AIB. I had a meeting uh, with the uh, AIB's uh, President uh, Jilin Chin a couple of times, and uh, I made a very s- uh, straightforward question to him. You know, I, I visited the uh, 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 head office of, of, of AIB in Beijing. It's a, it's a very fancy uh, head office. However, and it's just across the street of the people of China. However, it's, uh, it's almost empty, Not, nobody there and only 100 uh, suffer. Therefore, that uh, most of their financial product is in co-financing with World Bank and, and ADB. But they have some independent, separate independently financial aid uh, to some countries like the state of Oman. And uh, state of Oman is, a, uh, from national security point of view, uh, in the Middle East, it's very important. This is outside the uh, Hormuz Strait, and also very close to the uh, Horn of Africa, and therefore that uh, uh, we also that japan is, uh, dispatched the uh, safe defense the maritime forces to uh, to anti piracy uh, the uh, activities and a, a project in port of Tukum, which is outside the state of of uh, Hormuz, we provide the financing to the to uh, to establish uh, this uh, port facility many years ago i mean 16 to 17 years ago therefore that's i understand that the how Critical, this uh, location of, of of the port. There, the, the AIB provided financing independently to this uh, project, uh, to the project of the port for city of Tukum. And uh, uh, but now uh, China recognized that now some of these ideas be uh, already criticized by the uh, international community. What happened to Sri Lanka, port of Hambatota, the um, the. Export Import Bank with China provided financing to dollar based financing to not renminbi uh, to uh, uh, Sri Lanka. But Sri Lanka was not able to pay back. So, what's happened is that they uh, uh, switched the, uh, the uh, contract to the 99 years leasing contract of the piece of land, which is very similar almost the same that the British Empire did uh, to Hong Kong in 150 years ago that uh, uh, there's that, some resemblance. And uh, also that China did in the, uh, Ecuador, and it's very similar thing. Therefore that now, they are be start beginning understanding that the uh, their, uh, debt sustainability is a, a really important issue for international community. And uh, that's why that we are working with China Development Bank under fiber condition in a project in Thailand, which is a labeling project total distance in 220 kilometers uh, to link the three airports from Bangkok and the southeast part of the uh, Thailand, which is a core project in the Eastern Economic Corridor uh, in Thai government. Last year, in June of 2018, I was privately invited by uh, Thai Prime Minister uh, Prayut to the Greater Mekong Summit. And uh, um, I uh, had a very uh, private uh, discussion with uh, leaders like Gwensong Fuku, the Prime Minister of Vietnam, and Hun Sen, or the Prime Minister of uh, Cambodia, and so on. And all of them say that we need both China and Japan. That's already uh, introduced this anecdote in, uh, in, in my panel in the US Chamber of Commerce. Uh, this is true. Uh, but they do not say that we need United States. So means that the, uh, Japan can, uh, can play a lot of intermediary between uh, them and the United States. So we understand that how you, uh, they ex- expect uh, us to play. So uh, we are doing that way so that uh, from the beginning, I mean that uh, we have been engaged the project from the scratch and to make the project bankable. We cover the expense of the feasibility study. As a free of charge. This is what we are doing right now. And uh, we are now, uh, as Dr. Hammer said, that we uh, recognize that our law to uh, play a leading role of three trilateral partnerships. And uh, 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 this is uh, very important because. Uh, I think that it's now in the year of 2019, 20, 21, is a very narrow window opportunity because of US-China conflict. Uh, now uh, Chinese are uh, trying to change uh, some behavior. And I, uh, this year, uh, uh, former uh, governor of People Bank of China, Zhou Chun, came to my office. I hosted dinner for him by, by uh, inviting uh, leaders of the Japanese financial sectors. And uh, he said, uh, almost publicly, that we need to, to promote the China-Japan financial cooperation. And we uh, had simultaneously listed the uh, ETF and both Tokyo Stock Exchange and the Shanghai Stock Exchange. Uh, uh, it's the first time for foreign uh, Japanese security companies, which is Nomura receive the license of, of, of uh, uh, the activities in China uh, as the majority shareholder of joint venture with the Chinese partner. So this is a uh, some of the evidence that China is trying to change the course and in Bangkok by the way I found that uh, uh, you know, CDB's China Development Bank is practice and uh, this uh, they also try to accommodate the uh, international practices, but uh, still some gap. But they're, they're serious. Therefore, it's a good thing. So uh, therefore, that we try to keep this uh, uh, kind of relation with the China Development Bank. And uh, uh, we try to change the behavior to be more um, consistent with international standards. So this is a very quick remarks, uh, which I try to uh, share with all of you. And then uh, I am delighted to have a uh, dialogue with uh, my dear friend, Dr. Michael Green. Thank you so much.
3: always uh, such a rich, rich conversation on. As John Hamry said, the world's problems are horizontal and the world's bureaucracies are, are vertical. Jbic is one of the few uh, organizations in the world that's that's mostly horizontal, that that that, that deals with strategic questions. Um, it helps to have money, which Jbic of course has. But as you can hear uh, fr- from Midasan, Hassan, Jbic's um, reach is truly strategic. And Maida Hassan, uh, as as many of you may know, is not only a close advisor to Prime Minister Abe. Um, he may be one of the only people in Japan who was also a close advisor to the previous government <laughs> <laughs> and then the government before that so um, he is uh, uh, part of the reason for the consistency and longevity in Japan's strategy um, let me uh, also thank My san we're going to have uh, starting in January a senior uh, official from JPEG um, embedded at CSIS uh, to work on free and open Indo-Pacific strategy uh, with a particular focus on infrastructure and financing but, but looking at it comprehensively. And we'll invite all of you to, to, to join in that dialogue in the coming year. Um, let, let me first ask you about geography. You know, the, the, the Belt and Road is defined by Beijing endlessly. There's, there's an Arctic Belt and Road. There's an outer space Beltic Ro- Belt and Road. <laughs> um, the US Free and open Indo-Pacific strategy pretty much corresponds to Indo-PACOM. <laughs> how do you, de- de- geographically, just to begin, how do you define FOIP, uh, JBIC? How far does it go?
2: Well, originally the concept started from the strengthening connectivity between free Asian Pacific and Indo-Pacific, the indian Ocean. So it means that to uh, to avoid a choke point, which is the Strait of Malacca, and also to to reach Middle East and Africa. Therefore, that uh, you know, also the Pacific Rim is very broad. For example, that's the uh, uh, west coast of the United States and Canada and also in some Latin American countries and western Indi- Pacific uh, Rim is a part of that. Mm-hmm. And therefore that uh, we are doing uh, with a, uh, a counterpart of United States uh, uh, in, a in the project in Latin as well. So that uh, uh, obviously, but it is not included a country like Russia. Mm-hmm or uh, or the inland. So it's a kind of uh, maritime countries uh, normally. Therefore, that uh, target is like a country like Indonesia. And also, uh, we, need a, um, we need to have some centrality and solidarity of Asian countries. So uh, we also uh, try to uh, send some messages that y- you- your countries are prioritized mm-hmm. for the uh, open. Okay. Okay, no, but- but not limited to them, so that uh, some countries in Africa Latin uh, America could be included if uh, they are agreed on as five conditions I would to.
3: So it's flexible. Flexible. Um, not, uh, not
2: as flexible as China's <laughs> Belt
3: and Road, but more flexible than the American uh, bureaucratic definition. Your comments on, on China were fascinating. One of the uh, questions now is the US uh, engages in a much more strategically competitive relationship with China is whether U.S. policies or policies with friends and allies can shape Chinese behavior. Can we get China to behave in a more benign way? And it seems to me, surveying Chinese economic, foreign, and security policy, uh, the kind of test case for that, in many ways, is what you're doing. It's, it's uh, whether or not JBIC's um, dialogue with uh, China Development Bank Um, infrastructure might change the way China does Belt and Road. And um, after you met with uh, Chinese counterparts, um, China announced the second Belt and Road Forum, BARF 2, as it's known, um, and that the theme would be quality infrastructure, which is really interesting because that, of course, is a theme Japan introduced, uh, in some ways, I think, to put pressure on China. So how would you assess things? Is China's Agreement to your five conditions, just lip service? Uh, is this just PR, or do you think there's a real chance that we can um, have an influence on how China does infrastructure investment and financing?
2: Well, it's a big, good question and also a tough question. It, in my sense is a little bit early mm-hmm. to make a judgment, and we have to uh, monitor what they are doing. But what uh, we found through this engagement with China Development Banks, are a couple of things. Let me share. One is that in a, in a critical point, a CDB is not able to make an own decision without consultation uh, with a, uh, a body like NDRC. Uh, mm-hmm. So that uh, they are very, very cautious. And they don't want to uh, have a responsibility on decision making. And also the CDB's uh, top leaders have been changed most recently because of the, f- the former one, with Who was indicted mm-hmm. because of a scandal. Mm-hmm. So they're uh, now more and more reluctant and cautious to make a judgment by themselves. Everything is now consult with the uh, NDLC. That's what, what happened. Yeah. Secondly, uh, we found uh, some of the uh, articles of the law agreement of their, agreement, their use, uh, some of them are uh, not consistent with their global standards. Mm-hmm. For example, that the uh, they are encouraging be consistent with the Chinese procurement guideline. Uh, this is a, uh, this is not global standards. so we need to pay respect to the uh, procurement standard of host countries. Normally, so therefore, that uh, uh, this is a different. But now they are t- uh, now s- beginning, of understanding what's uh, what's, uh, but also that you say, refer to the court infrastructure. Uh, it's uh, uh, introduced by originally that obviously Prime Minister Abe. The President Xi referred to quality infrastructure in this uh, second uh, Belt and Road Conference in Beijing six times. But they, uh, to me, uh, but, uh, China may not understand the uh, clear definition of what, what the law of, of uh, what the meanings of uh, quality infrastructure. It does not uh, only, it uh, does not mean only that the uh, physical quality mm-hmm. infrastructure, it's uh, in that. Uh, we need to be uh, consistent with an uh, agenda like climate change, more environmental friendly, and ESG mm-hmm. is a part of quality infrastructure and most uh, um, uh, energy efficiency is also part of quality infrastructure. Therefore, that's, uh, they do not understand fully yet, mm-hmm. yet. Mm-hmm. And, and also that quality infrastructure is a, a, a very much a meaning of, or to, uh, to give some guidance Towards a for the developing countries uh, for example that uh, uh, in May of this year I paid a visit to Hanoi and a meeting with a Prime Minister grandson of Vietnam uh, we received the many applications of coal fire patents and the OECD uh, allows us to make uh, financing if the if, if technology is a, is a uh, better than ultra supercritical technology however I said to Prime Minister hook It takes a long time, maybe average eight to nine years, to materialize from from receiving the request and the materializing project. Therefore, if uh, we we accept uh, this uh, ultra super critical coal fire power plant now, it means that it binds the future. Mm. So, uh, technology is now uh, advancing. So that uh, I said, I, 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 I'm sorry, but I, I'd like to stop the receiving application of coal-fired power plants now.
1: Mm.
2: And then, mm. but if you, Vietnamese Prime Minister, accept to uh, accommodate a better technology, better, uh, less uh, burden on the environment, like a coal gasification, even if you use it, coal, coal gasification or uh, carbon capture and storage and so on, we can support. Mm-hmm. So this is a quality infrastructure. Mm-hmm. This is a, a, a very much consistent with the advancement of progress of technology.
3: That's not necessarily what President Xi Jinping means. Oh. Now I, I don't remember think so. in two thousand and five, oh. I was in the White House, and uh, Deputy Secretary of State Bob Zella gave his famous speech calling on China to be a responsible stakeholder. And a few months later, Hu Jintao came to Washington and he gave a speech, and he said, 12 times, China is a responsible stakeholder. <laughs> and then it was just lip service. But this might be different because <clears throat> I would imagine that your counterparts in China Development Bank, as professionals and as bankers and as economists, worry about um, the moral hazard, worry about um, how their money is spent, worry about, you know, debt traps are bad for the lenders too, uh, at least in, in economic terms. Strategically, there are advantages to China perhaps. But there are a lot of um, flaws, I'm sure, that Chinese bankers see. That, do you find that Within the Chinese system, the political leaders are more reluctant, but your counterparts within the banks generally understand what you're talking about. Is that how you would describe it? Well, or is it? Uh,
2: yeah. you know, there's you know, there some difference between Ex- Export-Import Bank and the China Development Bank. Well, uh, Export-Import Bank is more closer to, mm. to Chinese government. They, uh, it's a matter of the uh, degree, but the China Development Bank, the officials try to be. Uh, uh, part of the uh, banking society uh, in in the global group banking society world, but the uh, you know if some of the order from the top, mm-hmm. there's no way that they they have to to obey mm-hmm. that order. Yeah. Therefore, what they uh, you know for example that therefore that these banks still con- continue to uh, to uh, support the project in Venezuela. Venezuela is not able to pay back, so we have the kind of uh, uh, you know, the, uh, kind of strangling asset yeah. in Vietnam. Normally, no way that we cannot make long anymore, but they continue to make long. Mm-hmm. so that this is a, a totally different from the, uh, a, a common understanding mm. of the uh, community, global community.
3: So which is easier to work with the China development bank or OPEC? Don't answer that. <laughs> 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 I hear, I think Matt Goodman also hears from friends of ours in private equity, uh, a lot of interest in this new uh, U.S.-Japan and Australia um, Memorandum of Cooperation. Um, can you tell us the state of affairs?
2: Yes, <clears throat> and I, I, uh, before coming to Washington D.C., I was I stayed in New York City. I had uh, a couple of meetings with a uh, private equity guys like uh, KKR mm-hmm. and uh, BlackRock, and uh, the I had a meeting one by one with a uh, uh, Mr. Henry Crabbe's mm-hmm. of. Uh, of KKR and he said that KKR's commitment is the long ter- as a long term investor, it may include uh, infrastructure and also in BlackRock they are now uh, doing a lot in the renewable energy mm-hmm. and, and uh, it's like wind power and, and, uh, and solar power in globally. But main target is still in the US and o- uh, Europe but try to be uh, advanced to the uh, new emerging mm-hmm. era like uh, Indo-Pacific region they say. And also that uh, uh, KKL said that we, we need, uh, we think that the Japan as a hub uh, of the uh, international financing in Asia and the Pacific. And so that the, uh, despite the kind of uh, um, problems we face, challenges like uh, the senior society and, and aging society, and uh, population is declining. However, that we we need to uh, we need to give some solutions. So Japan is a, maybe first country to give some solutions to those Problem. problems. Probably China may face the same challenges in a uh, couple of years later. Right. So that therefore that uh, I feel that now these those private equity industry in the United States is now shifting the focus, not just on the U.S. and European market, on also that market like India. My understanding is a
3: lot of the projects that you're discussing with the China Development Bank and also other projects you're discussing with uh, OPEC and with Australia are tend to be in energy, transportation, infrastructure, railroads, things like that. But you mentioned earlier that Yanasei-san of METI is now advising you on FOIP. Yanasei-san is also advising the government on 5G. Is 5G on your radar? <laughs> are you thinking about that? Because the digital Belt and Road the Chinese are offering uh, critics would say, and I would agree, involves a lot of, um, you know, three, four year interest-free loans, um, you know, predatory uh, dumping and uh, price cuts and other things to create monopolistic positions. Um, And for a lot of developing countries, whatever uh, 5G system the US, Japan, or Europe come up with is gonna be expensive. Uh, So it's strategically maybe even more important than railroads and energy uh, and bridges. Is
2: it on your radar? Yes, uh, I was in Stockholm a uh, month ago and I uh, found that uh, they face the same you know uh, problem or question how to deal with the faraway, mm-hmm. uh, include or exclude so that uh, views of Nokia for example uh, those those guys are very important mm-hmm. to the this uh, on this question our, uh, our position is very clear right now so we are now uh, uh, not explicitly, we, we, we did not say that we exclude of our own since it's such a specific company. But uh, the de facto basis, uh, we are very much careful, mm-hmm. very careful. And I, also that uh, uh, year of 2019, 20, 21, this is a very much a very critical moment and a possibly narrow window of opportunity. To catch up uh, the Huawei and in a more competitive manner. But uh, uh, I'm afraid that now, because of US China conflict, China is uh, more badly affected by the conflict than United States uh, this year or next year. But uh, uh, China try to change its supply chain, probably in a, uh, four or five years, they may catch up.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: That's the, Therefore, that's uh, uh, my sense is that uh, it is not able to contain China. It right. is not practical. Therefore, that uh, we, as we, uh, you know, the international community, as allies, that U.S. needs Japan, U.S. needs Europe as a as very robust, very strong partner, and uh, to be uh, to foster that platform, that's very important. Mm-hmm. And then China may, may change their behavior. Otherwise, they will not. That's, the, uh, that's, that's my, my point.
3: Let me open it up a bit. Um, uh, ask my colleague, uh, Matt Goodman, who works a lot on infrastructure and economic issues. If you want to ask the first question, you just um, uh, there are many, many angles Matt could bring to Thank, this. But.
4: Thanks so much, um, and good to see you again, Maeda San. Um, really interesting comments. Can I ask a sort of two questions? First, a practical question. When you sign an MOU, other entities. And you, how do you operationalize your cooperation? Because Vic's mandate is to promote, frankly, Japanese business and Japanese exports, and, and um, USDFCs is to promote. How do you actually operationally come together and, and enable the two entities to, to work? Do they work in parallel on different things, or do they overcome that basic? Um, set of um, objectives and, and the mission of each entity in order to be able to do it. That's a sort of practical question because I genuinely don't understand how, how that works. Um, the broader question is some critics here of the U.S. strategy that the Fino say that um, and the infrastructure piece in, in particular that we're putting a lot of chips on the USDFC, the new um, development finance corporation. But that—that's, while necessary. Far from sufficient, our engagement in this, um, in this um, effort. So, what else, you, from your perspective, do you think the United States ought to be doing and bringing to the table beyond the DFC uh, tool? Thank
2: you, much. It's a very good question. Now, on first question, very question. We uh, created the task force joint and by in a working level of people, the. less than 50 percent, uh, we may uh, qualify as a, as a, a, a eligible borrower uh, uh, of this. And also uh, we need some of devices devices like, to make uh, some of a special purpose vehicle. And uh, on sovereign side we uh, JB will support, in private side we support by all the DFC, that kind of uh, division of labor can be uh, considered. And uh, on the Australian side, the Australian has um, uh, asset uh, products of the grant. Uh, therefore that uh, 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 we can make use of this Australian piece as well. And most uh, importantly, we need a uh, uh, the cooperation collaboration between the private sector uh, uh, from Japan and the United States And if the uh, company like GE or other uh, companies uh, work together with uh, the Japanese companies, it's uh, much easier for us to to accommodate. So uh, we are now encouraging that, for example, in Papua New Guinea, uh, we have training companies. But uh, out of the uh, eight or nine uh, big training companies, only one company has an office in Port Mm Moresby. It is Sojitsu Corporation. So that I encourage the uh, other uh, bigger uh, the companies to uh, make some of the offers in a and uh, those right now, so that the couple uh, start creating the uh, office and also they try to gather information, relevant information. So that's the uh, proactive engagements from the scratch of a project. Uh, this is makes the project bankable and they, uh, sharing uh, also that's the uh, uh, mitigating some of uh, the uh, constraints they have, and also the human rights issue as well, that we, our, our uh, uh, condition is not so strict than the United States, uh, therefore that uh, uh, also carbon footprint and so on. These are some constraints from the US side. We understand. So, uh, we try to overcome through uh, this constraint with a uh, uh, discussion, almost a uh, uh the every every uh, day we keeps in constant and shoot the email and so on so that's the video conference and so on so that's uh, that's what happened right now so that it's the first time we have to to send dispatch mission jointly mm-hmm. we did already so that's a, a question the second uh, one is a um, is a most uh, uh, more tougher uh question but i um I understand some question, but um, uh, but we understand. Uh, I, I remember understanding that we understand that we try to foster the uh, common asset, global common asset in in the Pacific, and uh, we, this is not easy piece, you know. And, and for example, for example, that uh, previously we worked on some of we give some additionality on ASEAN. As plus pass something, as plus, pass, but uh, this is a di- it's different approach. Different approach. Therefore, that uh, this is a, a new approach. Therefore, that we need to uh, clear many, some of the problem. I understand it, but uh, step by step, um, through our engagement, uh, we may be able to um, find a better track.
3: I mean, uh, I'll call in one more CSIS colleague and then open it up, so if you're thinking of asking a question, you can get your thoughts together. I'll I'll call on Errol Yacoub from the Development and Prosperity Program at CSIS.
0: Excellent. Thanks, Dr. Green, and and thanks for convening this really important um, event. Thank you. It's an honor to have you back at CSIS. Uh, I feel like DC is not only your second home, but maybe CSIS is your second home. Thank you. Wanted to comment just very briefly on your characterization of the of the BRI. I, I completely agree that it's a compelling marketing vision, maybe even a brand, although the product is a little bit unclear. Um, and so I, I really appreciated your presentation of that. I wanted to build on on my colleague Matt's point about the DFC and, and OPEC. Uh, I really liked how you said, "MOUs are fine, but I'm a deal maker." Can you paint a a vision of what actually that type of deal-making looks like with the DFC, let's say two years from now. The, the DFC, if it ever launches, and I'm really glad that you met Adam yesterday, I, I think that there's a lot of uh, optimism about if the DFC can ever get approved finally by uh, as part of the budget process, that, that this will be a, a really force uh, for good in the world. I agree with Dr. Green that maybe it's not the transformative alternative to BRI in and of itself. Um, but but I think it does have new capabilities and new tools and new abilities to co-finance with the JBICs of the world that they didn't have before. They now have equity authority. They do have um, some soft money for project preparation like the uh, the Australian. So if you could paint a vision of what that, that looks like maybe two years from now. And a quick second question is, Oh, the DFC is being asked to do more in fragile states, and places that maybe offer slightly greater risk, slightly lower return. And so if, does JBIC have a, a particular approach uh, perhaps with the DFC or separate uh, with regards to fragile states? Thank you.
2: Yeah, thank you. And First question also, the second question to Matt, that uh, uh, we need to observe the performance more of DFC. And uh, uh, for that question, I refer to that, the, uh, their constraint about the straight, state-owned enterprise. I uh, asserted to uh, the President, May Washburn and David Bohigian, that they did not respond, right? So that it, I, I, I started many, uh, more than uh, 18 months ago, but not, so far nothing happened. Therefore, that the, but Adam understood it that the, he he queries said that we need to change this. Uh, we start a, a, some of a, a consultation with other parts of the uh, executive branches, like Treasury and State, and so on, so that uh, we uh, see the promise. Also, that we offer some of devices to uh, relax the, the the guidance guidelines. And uh, for example, we take uh, taking a, a piece of the sovereign, more sovereign type uh, product and they uh, push the more private to the, uh, the DFC side. That can be, some, some division of uh, can be possible. Um, uh, but uh, this is uh, still, we need to, have to apply to the tangible cases, not only conceptual. As I said, as a dream maker, it means that we need to uh, engage in the, in the project and the, state, the stakeholder from scratch. It takes time and it, it, it takes cost. JBIC, by the way, we have the uh, two se- separate accounts. Most recently, uh, Japan Diet accepted to create a special patient account, which ta- uh, enabled JBIC to take more risk. Like, uh, and also, we, uh, by strategy, we, we need to define that the risk category, which we take under this uh, uh, special patient account, like a sovereign, uh, non-investment grade sovereign, like uh, Argentina, for example, or, or, or Iraq we did not do that. I don't want to. But, uh, and also the sub like co- uh, sub-sovereign risk of the uh, uh, province of government, municipality and so on. And three, and most recent one is a, uh, commercial, a technology and commercialization risk. If, even if the labor level is a proven technology but not fully commercial yet, so that it, uh, normally private sector will not make any financing to such a, such, like, such a uh, uh, technology. Therefore, that we uh, give some uh, bridging operation uh, through this special pressure account. So, that probably uh, uh, because we are front front-runner on this uh, so called development financial institution, Europeans are trying the same thing in the World Bank meeting here, and the European Investment Bank, European uh, uh, policy makers to, to strengthen EIB and maybe a merger between EIB and the EBRD. It's kind of some, some sort of the agenda is now. I don't know. I don't think that it can happen. But anyway, that I also have this, uh, some relationship with the uh, EIB, and, and key is that as a uh, uh, long-term investor, we uh, uh, share the common generic removal like of the plastic waste from ocean right. from issue. EIB is very keen. We are trying to do the same thing. We uh, encourage new technology to make solution for that removal of the waste uh, plastic waste. Uh, from promotion, This is a, a, a also quality infrastructure. Excellent. Floor is open. Uh, if you have a question,
3: raise your hand. We have a mic for you. Uh, if, uh, yeah, please.
5: Ah, yes, uh, my name is Takahashi from NEC. And uh, thank you very much for uh, a very insightful discussion this morning. And uh, thank you very much also for uh, your leadership in uh, uh, private-public uh, partnership for US-Japan cooperation in that region. Uh, My question is uh, on uh, digital infrastructure. And you have already mentioned uh, uh, submarine cable and uh, 5G. But my question is uh, about uh, smart city uh, programs. And uh, uh, for one of the BRI by China, also uh, I understand include the uh, smart city. But uh, uh, one of the concern is under the name of uh, smart city. Uh, they might uh, export their surveillance uh, system to, uh, to that region. And particularly, it's a concern uh, if they do that with the authoritarian regime. Uh, it's a threat to the democracy. So, um, but the, in that area, I think there's a lot of uh, technology companies of the U.S. and Japan can cooperate and, and create the system that uh, respect the democracy and uh, privacy. And the human rights. So, I like. I'm interested in if you have some plans or thoughts in the area. Thank you.
2: Well, thank you for the question. But especially smart city, uh, so far, to be frank with you, we have not uh, found yet appropriate project in this, in the past region uh, in a smart city project. But think we have the uh, criteria of definition of of, uh, of smart city. The key point is that to improve quality of life. Of the residents, that's a key, and we make a lot of the survey and study in uh, many s- uh, uh, so-called smart cities world, and uh, I think the model be uh, better model in the in the country like Sweden and Denmark, and a uh, kind of uh, communities building, not just only that residents, but also that municipal government, and the uh, local authority, and the uh, Come, grab a company like uh, Ericsson, and Nokia and so on these are uh, also a part of their, their solution and also they t- uh, evolving so they, uh, for example that the uh, best one of the best smart city in the world in, the, uh, in, the, uh, uh, in uh, Sweden uh, the lawyer port of smart city in Sweden and they started in 1990s and uh, uh, they are already establishing some of the intercourse among those stakeholders. So that this is the deal, so that we understand that quality of life, improving quality of life. But on the other hand, Chinese case, for example, I pay the business to so-called smart city of China. It means that they are all digital (coughs) and uh, very uh, uh, close to the concept of the e-government. You know, therefore that uh, your concern your, your uh, concern is very relevant the, uh, the, now we are now uh, required to uh, fingerprints or all ten fingers on the surveillance camera, the surveillance camera everywhere. Uh, therefore that uh, uh, this is very carefully, that we now define very carefully. But digital one is like uh, Secretary Pompeo said, this digital economy, digital is the key component of VNOP in the Pacific Institute. Excellent.
5: Uh, thank you for your it, thank you for your uh, insightful speech today. Uh, my name is John Ho Lee. I'm from South China Morning Post. You said earlier that you can uh, you actually plan to invite Taiwan to the Indo-Pacific strategy, but you can't do that now. Um, but in the future, you said you may invite them by project by project. What are some of the projects you may cooperate with Taipei uh, within the framework? Of Indo Pacific strategy? And also, have you actually discussed this with the officials in Taipei, or is it more like uh, Tokyo's long term objective in the future?
0: Thank you.
2: Thank, thank you. A uh, question. Uh, by transaction, transaction means that also we may invite China. Uh, they, if we, uh, China agreed with all five conditions, uh, this is an example that we already doing with the China Development Bank in Thailand. Taiwan case, in Taiwan, we do not have a diplomatic tie with Taiwan. Therefore, um, we cannot invite them as a country and officially as a partner of a free and open the However, transaction transaction means that it's a private driven. Therefore, that if there's uh, many cases, even Chinese are also the with Taiwan uh, entity as well. It's a nice view that Taiwan economy and mainland economy uh, uh, in China is very much integrated already. And therefore, that is a matter from the economic point of view, this makes make sense. So I like uh, we do not have a, any uh, political uh, the, uh, implementa- uh, implication on it, because Taiwan already have the, uh, some tie with the OPEC a, a year ahead of us, a year ahead of us. Therefore, that uh, uh, they you know very knowledgeable about what's, what's going on in a uh, public uh, small island countries like you know like Marshall and, and Solomon and so on. Therefore, that uh, if I say if it's if it is appropriate, I I, I, I we would uh, invite them as a uh, uh, transaction by transaction by transaction.
3: So as you can see, um, Midasan has the most interesting job in Japan. <laughs> <laughs> Um, the geographic scope, the functional scope, um, political risk assessment, uh, fundamental questions of geopolitics. If we had more time, Midasan could hold forth on Islamic financing, which he's a specialist on, uh, the Russian Far East, um, uh, uh, even, um, uh, I think, uh, bullet trains in Texas and California. <laughs> so uh, but we're out of time, I'm sorry to say. So he has a bit here for the bank and fund meetings. A lot of important coordination to do with the administration. We need to let him go. But first, let's thank him very much for his terrific presentation.
4: Thank you.
0: (laughs) Thanks for joining us for another curated conversation from CSIS. Tune in next week for more. And remember, you can explore all of our events online at CSIS.org.